I know I usually start these episodes off with something that makes me seem a little more clever than I actually am, but today, it's time to get serious. There's a lot of questions going into this fantasy football season, and our listeners were kind enough to ask those to us in the form of a five-star review. So today, we're going to answer them. All of them. Let's run up the score. You're listening to Run Up the Score, a fantasy football podcast. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to Run Up the Score. My name is Donald Wagonblast. Alongside me is Tom Hillier. Hey, everybody. And my brother, Scott. Hey, hey. And congratulations are in order to all of us before we even start the show. First of all, Tom, congratulations. It's Thank Zay you. Jones time in Buffalo. Yeah, it was a fantasy value roller coaster, but uh, he's already somehow made it. Yeah. Now he's just on a constant rising hill. I think he's in the he's in the first seat, the one you wait in line for. Oh yeah, the one you wait extra time for. He's gonna get a really good snapshot yeah. going down the uh, the hill oh, or yeah. the loop de loop wherever they place the camera. On this Hands one. up, screaming. He's there, there's gonna be a lot of screaming going on in Buffalo. No doubt. Congratulations are also in order to Scott. Fantasy football season hasn't even started, and we have a champion in our midst. Scott's men's league softball team won the championship in their league last night morning. Yesterday. Yesterday, throughout the day. It was a great group of guys, great battle, and a great place to go get some food. If you live in the uh, Byron area, check out Shaky Jake's. They're good supporters of uh, local athletics. So uh, it was a lot of fun. And that team in particular, the reason that we even thought to bring this up is because that team has been supporters from day one of Run Up the Score. And we're very happy with the feedback that they've been giving us. We're very happy to hear that they're enjoying the podcast and as someone who was at the games on Sunday, it was it was really cool to watch. Um, and congratulations are also in order to myself because I stared down an eclipse today and I don't feel any different. Speaking of which, did your guys' faces get blurrier since we last <laughs> recorded an episode? Just a tad. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, I, I, I watched thought... I watched the ring tape. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah no, so, so you're starting to you're going into the TV. As yeah, it was about five out. days ago. Oh, okay. So I'm right running now, out of time. <laughs> well, right now we're going into people's phones, and we're going into people's phones for the people who got on their phones and gave us a five star review on iTunes. We want to send an extended thank you out to everybody whose review question we're about to read. Hopefully, we are able to uh, provide you with some last minute help for your fantasy football drafts. Which last weekend it seemed like it was kind of like a it was kind of like the Hall of Fame game for fantasy football. Like there were a couple of leagues drafting, but still kind of early. But this week, I feel like is that first weekend of sweet spot drafting. You know, I have I think two leagues that I'm drafting in, and those are my two main leagues: the hometown league that the three of mm-hmm. us are in, um, and our and our college league, which I've now been running for like I think it's eight years. Yeah, close which to is a decade. Super scary. I have. Uh, we got to figure out our tenure. Yeah, I have four and three different scoring formats. Four drafts. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yep. So yeah, so this weekend is going to be a bit of a frenzy. So there will be ten drafted teams between this podcast <laughs> before we record next Tuesday. Uh, but let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. We have a lot of reviews to get to, uh, so let's start with them. I was working on my Casey Kasem impression. It didn't come out well, so I'm I'm saving you guys and our listeners. Uh, the headache of me trying to do an impression of one of the greatest radio hosts in the history of the world. Uh, but let's get started, shall we? Yes. Sure. All right. Our first review says, Dear Rutz Boys, 
I have the fourth pick in my draft this summer, and I'm pretty sure Johnson, David, Bell, Le'Veon, and Elliott, Ezekiel, uh, are going with the first three picks. I'm a running back believer, so I'm thinking of going with LaShawn McCoy, but I can't decide between him and Antonio Brown. What do you guys think? Thanks. Well, obviously, some time has gone by in this pick that, or in this review. That this review was submitted July third. Yeah, so the whole Ezekiel Elliott going in the top three is probably not more likely. Now you're probably looking at Brown going in the top three. Where now, I guess um, the review, the, the review question, whoever asked, um, is looking between Julio or Shady, or maybe Odell or Shady at this point. And for me, I'm a receiver guy, so in that instance i would say go with julio or odell at what pick would we start to think shady over some of these top tier wide receivers tom i think it depends on the league format and what we see coming out of buffalo in the very recent time things have been insane it's not unlikely that shady actually gets moved here in a bit and that could happen before your draft after your draft so that's something even to consider yeah uh when you're picking shady right now it's kind of something that makes me want to cool off on him a little yeah. bit um but when you're talking position scarcity like i have before and maybe a standard league where you're not getting you know those points per reception and you can stack up on antonio brown points stack up on odell beckham points i'm fine with you taking shady early you know it, it mm-hmm. makes sense to me so it just depends on how your league is set up for me i'm gonna go Maybe I'd take him before Julio, but I wouldn't take him before uh, Antonio Brown or Odell. Interesting that you would say not Julio, because I know, Scott, you would probably swing that the other way and say, I would take Julio and Antonio over Shady, but not Odell. So we're kind of divided here. I'm going to say, though, if you got Julio, if you got Odell, if you got LaShawn McCoy, you got a stud. You know, you've got a guy who you who you feel like you're going to be able to rely on for 15 out of out of their 16 games this season and you got a guy who's you know going to be an every week starter for you no and no doubt is going to be a position winner for you at some point this season so uh let that first reviewer uh be a lesson to all of us who are hopefully going to submit reviews and if we end up doing uh some email correspondence give us as much detail about the league where you're drafting or the league that you're playing in as possible Mm -hmm. because as tom said and as scott you you alluded to this as well it's going to depend on whether or not it's a PPR league or, and it's going to depend on whether it's a half point or a full point. So just make sure for those of you who are learning for the person who submitted that review, just do better next time. You'll be fine. It's okay. (laughs) There's always room for improvement. Yeah. We all need, we all have room for improvement. It took me six takes to start the show today. (laughs) Uh, So we're going to move on now to post Malone. So I, the real post Malone. That's it's no doubt. That's the name. Uh, the title of the review is congratulations and the review starts dot 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 on your podcast it sounds great my question is how do you review how do you view suspended players in the draft thanks um i think the big one that we need to talk about now is zeke uh we've all been getting flooded with text messages about you know what we're going to do with zeke where we've seen zeke going um but the other one that we need to talk about as well for this particular season is martavis bryant and mm-hmm. we can even go back to last year with Le'Veon Bell and Tom Brady, and Tom Brady, and I was even going to go Josh Gordon. Sure, last yeah. year. Um, I think that the only the only thing that matters is how do you feel about your team? Because if you're taking a suspended player, you know that they're guaranteed to miss time before they even take the field. So you, how do you feel about your team going forward? And 
We talked about this with the Zeke discussion last week. For me, I'm only taking Zeke in if I have a stud running back already on my team. Mm-hmm. So if I had a, if I happen to get lucky and keep, you know, a guy like Le'Veon or a guy like Melvin Gordon, Jay Ajayi, Jordan Howard, one of those guys, and I can get a stud receiver in the first round and Zeke comes to me in the second round, I'm going to give him a look because, as we've said, we feel like there are a lot of different guys that can give you RB2 value this year. And so that's how I'm viewing Zeke. Okay. Martavis, he's an upside guy. He's being drafted as a wide receiver too. We know how deep receiver is. So pretty much any point people roll the dice on Martavis this year, I'm okay with as long as it's after round five. So, Scott, what, let's uh, let's start with you. What do you think about Martavis this year? I think that there's just not enough footballs in the offense for him to really see that that fifth round or sixth round value that he's going at. Um, The thing that I wanted to touch on with suspended players more than anything, I like to know the stability of the situation, even with a suspension. So, like, the only player that I've ever drafted off a suspension was Brady because we knew that it was going to be four games. Brady said, I'm going to sit out and do the four games. Once it like the suspension leaves a little too much question for me, a little too much mystery where I don't even know if this guy that I'm drafting is even, is going to be there for me down the line. So I tend to stay away. But if the situation is clear for me to understand and the value is there, then I'll pull the trigger on somebody. And that's a good point. You know, Zeke has been misbehaving for the majority of the year. So what's to say he doesn't get into another incident, whether it's, you know, something more serious or less serious it doesn't really matter you know he's being watched very closely he's mm-hmm. under a microscope microscope right now so his whatever game suspension if he appeals it down could very well go back up or swing you know in innumerable different ways the big thing for me with suspended players and i've mentioned this before is just the size of the league and how many people make the playoffs. Right. So if I think I can make the playoffs while carrying this burden with me, then he becomes not a burden. He becomes a huge asset once I get into the playoffs, and now I'm a serious contender. So that's the whole idea. If you're in an ESPN 12-man league and you play those two-week playoff games with only you know four people making the playoffs – it's really tough to justify drafting your Tom Brady's last year mm-hmm. and you know, you got to make it to the show somehow. And then the other thing that I just want to touch on, you could get burned like a lot of people did when they were drafting Josh Gordon, because everybody thought maybe he'll get reinstated during the season and then he'll be ready to go and he'll come in and make a difference. Cause the Browns don't really have anybody else. And then, you know, everything went exactly the way they, everybody expected it to with the Browns last year. But, Josh Gordon never got reinstated, actually decided to walk away from football and wasn't even really concerned with his reinstatement. So, you know, it could go either way. I think with the Zeke and Martavis situations, obviously Martavis is going to be fully reinstated, it seems like, before the start of the preseason. But we You certainly hope. Yeah. And and, and then Zeke, you know, the appeal is the 29th, uh, which is, I believe... Securely after your draft. It's a a week from today (laughs) when the episode's drafting. So if you're drafting this weekend... It might be a good time to strike if you see Zeke fall in that third, fourth round because, you know, Tom Brady and the Deflategate issue kind of set the precedent for this. If the appeal doesn't go that way, the Players Association may decide, hey, let's take this to court and, and roll the dice and see how it goes if they feel like, you know, something happened. So, And what um, you're saying by that is that it could be pushed back even a full football year. Exactly. But the problem with that as well is if it doesn't go so successfully in court – 
it could be instated toward the tail end of the season, which is your fantasy playoffs, right? which would be horrible as well. It's also worth noting that the presiding judge or whoever is really the ultimate decision maker in this case is the one who lowered Greg Hardy's suspension from, I think, like 10 games Ten to four. down to four. Mm-hmm. So he kind of has this precedent set that if you're looking for this, you know, crazy upside move and you're a crazy upside guy you know it's not it's not wild to pull the trigger on zeke but it is uh you you got to know that you're taking a risk yeah. it's you're you're taking you're literally taking a shot in the dark because we just don't know um how this is going to pan out let's move on now to a jack's sin 2020 guys i love the show just finished up your tight end segment i have the eighth pick in a 12-man league do you think i can get gronk in the second round and if so who should i pair him with in the first round Interesting question. I think I think all three of us unanimously will say, yeah, you can probably get Gronk in the second round. Because then you're looking at like the 15th, 16th overall pick. And I just think that that's right around the range that I've seen Gronk go. Probably more towards the early side of when I've seen Gronk go. He's actually been going a little later. Um, you know, maybe towards the end of the second round. But with that 12-man league, maybe everything gets pushed up a little bit. But mm-hmm. now we're talking, if you're going to take Gronk in the second round of a 12-man who are you going to pair him with? I don't even think it's unreasonable to take Gronk in the first round if you're one of those later picks because then you can just go ahead and get you know the best available at wide receiver or running back according to you on that next swing if you really truly do value Gronk. I mean, if you think about Gronk, if he was a receiver, that's where he would be going. Yes, so it's, for sure. And and no one's going to, you know, someone might say, ha ha, you dummy at the draft, but I really think the joke would be on them. You know, you're still going to get stacked on that turn. And Gronk's ADP looks lower than it's actually – than the evidence that I'm seeing. Like it seems like – okay, so the number next to his name, if you do the math, it's like, oh, you can get him in the third round. Haven't seen it. Not the case. I don't see it. I don't know how that keeps happening, how he's down there. But every draft and every mock draft I've even been in, he does not make it out of the third round. Yeah, I, or out I'm, of the second round right, into the third. Right, he's not going to make it out of there. I agree with you. Um, for me, I think if I'm going Gronk in the second round, I'm looking at uh, running back Melvin Gordon, Freeman, Ajay, uh, that mix. I think receiver is a little deeper, so I would trust that there's going to be a lot more value for me, even if I want to go running back in that third round, to get even a guy who can be your best receiver in the fourth round. Um, so for me, I think it sets up well for you to go Melvin Gordon and Gronkowski. And then you start to eye that number one receiver. Absolutely. And I, I even think, you know, if you're drafting Gronk, you're, you got to think of it. You're not drafting your number one tight end. You're drafting Gronk to be your number one receiver, right? Because that's the value that he turns in when he's healthy and when he's with Brady. So yeah, like I think it's totally reasonable to take him in the second round of a 12 man, Tom, if you want to be the guy that risks it or not even really risks it, given his, illustrious career so far um you know that's a great spot for for you to get him yeah and it's worth mentioning that he's coming in as healthy as he has been in recent memory right all right so i'm sorry real quick we had the giants browns preseason game on mute right now and odell beckham is hobbling around the entire arena um definitely something to pay attention to it looks like he's pretty upset and looks like uh he may be injured. He he jogged out the field, but uh, I don't know. He looks he looks pretty upset. He had a guy go low on him. Yeah, but we know Odell has a flair for the dramatic. So let's 
you know, I'm I'm pumping the brakes and I'm an Odell shareholder this year already in the celebrity league, so I'm concerned. But you know, let's just make sure that uh, that we check out. How well, let's go out. ahead and uh, plug the Twitter account. Yeah, tomorrow or you know when you're listening to this, we may have more information and it will it'll be certainly tweeted out at RutzFF on Twitter. All right. So our next review comes from Trade Happy. Not not one typically drawn to fantasy football podcasts. The Ruts boys bring a refreshing perspective that cuts the conversational fat and leaves you with the meaty insight that you want from a sports show like theirs. Will their advice lead me to a championship this year? Not a chance, but at least I will be able to talk trash more intelligently to my coworkers. Not a question, but thanks. Oh, there yeah. was a question in there. It said, will Will their advice help me win a fantasy championship? He said not a chance. And he answered his own question incorrectly. Of course we will. Yes, absolutely we will. I think the possibility certainly exists. Um, I think he's selling himself a little short there. It doesn't sound like he's selling us short. He really talked us up, so I do appreciate that. Thank you very much, Trade Happy. But uh, you don't have to give yourself the backhanded insults in the middle of our review. No. You, you know? can do it. Let's keep it positive. Yeah. You can go out there and you can win the ship. We got you, buddy. All right, our next review comes from our next actual review comes from Combat Wombat Thirty Two. He says, "I'm usually a, vet, a best available guy, but would you consider going running back, running back with an eight twelve pick to lock up two studs? I feel like receivers are very deep this year. I think we're assuming that this guy is in a twelve in a ten man league. He gets the eighth pick in the first round, and then the twelfth overall pick in the second round. Which to go running back, running back there, the guys you could probably get. I'm thinking a, a Jai." Uh, Jordan Howard, Devontae Freeman, maybe Melvin Gordon slips if if you've got a receiver heavy league. Um, but I I like it. It's certainly a good spot to go running back, running back. For example, if you have the number one overall pick and you're the guy that's getting David Johnson loving on Bell, when it swings back to you, I don't know that you're going to have enough depth at the running back position to go running back, running back. You're probably going to need to get yourself a receiver. But running back, running back towards the end of the first round, we we've can't say it enough. Receivers very deep this year, so might be a good spot for it. But again, just depends on who's available. Yeah, the way I've even said, uh, the way I've talked about position scarcity might lead you to believe that I think this is like an awesome move or something. Mm-hmm. But you know, I am a best available according to me drafter as well, and I think it's dangerous to put these strict position per round strategies on yourself. You know, the beginning of the the draft can go running back crazy. And right. that's why he's asking this question. So it just because it, someone could pick, you know, the best running backs could be off the board and you could get an amazing value on wide receiver. And just because you told yourself that you're going to go running back, running back, that doesn't make it the best move. You should take the value where it's given at all times. Right. I think a good line to draw in the sand is, is DeMarco Murray. If there's... A running back that's you know he's been kind of going behind Howard and um, and Ajay and Freeman. You know he's not really been he's been a little behind that mix. I think so. If you're in that turn and he's gone, I think I would move on to receiver. But if you want to go running back, running back there with like a Melvin Gordon, Demarco Murray, I have no problem with that. Absolutely, and that's if you're going running back, running back might be a spot where the second pick that you get could be Zeke. As well, right? If you're if you're a risk taker, or if you feel like you know you're really going to get that depth at receiver, and your plan is to go receiver in the next three rounds or so, might be a good spot for Zeke there. If you're going to go running, if you, I would say definitely take at least one running back. I don't think the eighth pick in the first round is a good spot to go two wide receivers, simply because 
after the 12, 12th pick, your next pick is pick 28 overall. And that's when guys like Lamar Miller, Todd Gurley, Christian McCaffrey, Leonard Fournette, all of those guys are probably going to be gone by the time it gets back to you. So it's a really imp- it's really important that you go at least one running back. You could probably get away with two depending on who's available, but I would definitely at least go one. And if you're in a PPR format, you can get those guys to bail you out later on. And if you do tend to go a little zero RB wild, I think a great starter um, for the at least the beginning of the season there is going to be your Darren McFadden. You know, he can help you bide the time to maybe work the waiver wire, get a trade in, and you have these powerhouse receivers or Gronk or what have you. Absolutely. All right, moving on now to Truther Vandross. Fantastic name. Yes. I know, I'm know. i sure that's not your real name, but way to go. Very thoughtful. Uh, he says, I've been listening to the podcast every day on my commute, and I love the content. Now I'm counting the minutes until draft day so I can put this advice to the test. So are we. Question, what are your thoughts on drafting a defense versus playing waivers each week for the best matchups? Scott, what do you typically do? I'm typically all about the streaming week to week. Um, I'm starting to kind of warm up to having a weekly defense. In one of my leagues, it's highly scored, so I always pick one pretty early. But um, I think there's about six or seven defenses that I like this year that I wouldn't mind having every single week. Uh, You know, Minnesota, Kansas City, Houston, Denver, Seattle, um, you know, and Car- and Arizona, I think so six. But um, you know, I like the all those defenses. It will determine their value, you know, at, at where they fall. If they're all gone before the first twelve rounds, then I'm gonna pick, you know, maybe Buffalo's defense or maybe Atlanta's defense. They play the Bears, right? And then figure it out from there. I, I normally enjoy having that defense option too to pick up every week doing right. the analysis and like f- trying to find that perfect matchup defense is, is something I look forward to on my teams so that's another reason why I typically yeah. stream too it's a good way especially if you're a guy who um it, let's just think about this for a second um if you're a guy who maybe doesn't have a lot of time to check their lineup might be a good idea to, to reach a little bit early for Denver's defense or might be a little bit early to reach for um for what's it called um Kansas City's defense or Seattle's defense. So, but if you're a guy who's hawking the waiver wire every single day and checking and tinkering your lineup every single day, streaming is a very good option. And what I've done is I'm a streamer. I've been a streamer for a while. Once in a while, I'll pick up a defense and they'll consistently perform well for me. So I'll hang on to them a couple more weeks than I usually do. But, um, but I usually am looking for teams with that good matchup. And what I do is I identify offenses that I think are going to struggle. This year, it's Cleveland, the Jets. The Bills are starting to look like it if Tom's right and they are looking to move Shady and Tyrod before the trade deadline. Um, The Bears, the 49ers, if things don't quite click with Shanahan's offense, we don't know if they have the talented pieces to make that offense go. That's who you're targeting. You're targeting the teams that are playing those defenses. So I like it. I prefer streaming. I understand why people would want Denver's defense or Seattle's defense, but I'm a streamer through and through, especially because... If I'm if I know teams are going to be looking to take Denver's defense, that's immediately when I know I'm not taking a defense that round because there's a skill position player who's going to fall to me that I really wanted. Yeah, and I'll keep mine short because generally I am a streamer. But you know, it just goes back to what I was saying before: never just dismiss a great value. You know, if your whole league is ignoring the position and it's really late in the draft, go ahead and pull the trigger on a quality defense. I don't mind that at all. They're a great trade asset down the line, and they'll probably help you win some games. 
Also, Don, you said, yeah, if you're a guy who doesn't check his lineup so much, blah, blah, blah. I'd encourage someone like that to even literally turn on Adam Schefter notifications for tweets, like get into <laughs> it a little Ruts bit FF. more. Yeah. Or Ruts FF. We're, we're going to be retweeting all the relevant stuff. We're tweeting it out on our own. I mean, how many of you don't do something like that, but have the notifications on for Instagram where it's like, Hey, the guy from your high school who works at Olive Garden <laughs> just posted for the first time in a while. Like, and then you're like, Oh wow. Another Olive Garden picture. Yeah. So like just, Turn it on for fantasy football yep. or at least turn the Instagram ones off so I don't have this leverage in this conversation, <laughs> you know, because I know you have them on. All right. Our, that was good, Tom. Our next <laughs> review comes from Miguel NJ. Some great content with an upbeat delivery. Loving what you guys are doing. Thank you very much. As a fantasy football user in multiple leagues, if you could provide one piece of advice to winning the ship, what would it be and why? I'll lead off. Um... I thought that was a great question, obviously. Because um, it can have so many different answers. Yeah, my answer will be don't get too caught up in coming in first place, looking at the standings, see how seeing how far you are away from first place, looking at first place team and saying, oh, no, you know, I can never match up against that. I don't stand a chance. You always stand a chance. You always stand a chance to make the playoffs. I remember last year, I you know, in some league, one of my leagues, I was buried toward the bottom early in the season and figured out like all these mathematical ways that I could sneak into the playoffs, and I just kept trying and actually ended up making the playoffs. So it just don't ever give up on it. Always look to improve your team, and just because you're not in first place in week one doesn't mean you won't be in first place in week sixteen or seventeen. I won our college league championship when I was the seventh seed, and my team was four and nine in the regular season. Every team made the playoffs, and I kind of knew that, so I really wasn't putting much stock in that. I had faith in my lineup down the stretch, and my lineup down the stretch got it done for me, so that's a great piece of advice, Scott. Tom, how about you? A piece of advice, and I always call it um, getting skinny. Like, toward the end of the year, you don't need to have, you know, I'm talking playoff time. Like, you're already in the playoffs. It's time to get skinny, right? You don't need to have insane depth anymore. Likely, you're going to be playing the guys who got you there. And if you can trade those ancillary pieces for something that's going to make you more formidable in the championship or the the coming rounds, then do it. I've traded off while I'm in the playoffs very good pieces of teams for like a defense that has a killer playoff schedule. You know what I mean? Like a guy who's good, who someone else can start, but he wasn't going to break the lineup on my team. Who am I going to say? I'm not going to say Julio and you know, et cetera, right. et cetera, mm-hmm. for such and such guy. But this guy could use him to fight in the loser's bracket and get a higher pick next year, that kind of thing. So I like to, at that moment in time, get skinny, make my team as, you know, sleek as possible, like trim that. the fat. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great time to to start to formulate like your your two, you trade two players to get one very good one, that type of trade. I like doing that towards the end of the year too. Like if my value is built up, I'll, I'll package a couple guys together just for one guy that I think can push my team over the hump. And like you said, thin my team out. So my decisions get a little easier as the playoff time comes around. Yeah. And if you're thinking the trade deadline might put a halt to that, you know, you can know if you're going to be in the playoffs before the trade deadline. I'm not saying sell off all your assets at the trade deadline, but there's many leagues where there is none, you know, so getting skinny is a real and true strategy that does work in the playoffs. 
What is uh, yours, Doc? Have fun. (laughs) Uh, You know, I mean, what I've come to learn about fantasy football is the more fun I have, the better I feel like my teams are doing. So you can't. I think it's probably you're having more fun when your your teams are doing doing better. better. But (laughs) go on. Well, yeah. I mean, winning's fun, right? (laughs) Yes. So you got to put yourself in the best position to have fun. You got to put yourself in the best position to win. But enjoy it. You know, once you've put that. Once you've you know done whatever you need to do with your draft and and you're just you know having your time with your boys or or your girls in your league like just enjoy it because what what a lot of people don't realize is that there's just so much of of fantasy football is just getting lucky or being in the right taking the right guy at the right time and so just enjoy it you know you might have clunker years where your team has no shot at the playoffs but don't give up because the next year you might be. A little bit better, and the you next can year you might be a little anyway. bit better. In our hometown league, Always. I started off the first season zero and seven. Right, but I was like, you know what? Like, I just got a couple of bad breaks. Like, I got to keep going at this. And you know what I did? Won the last six games of the year, finished six and seven. I was one game out of the playoffs. Right, you know, anything can happen in fantasy football, and so just enjoy it. Just have fun. Be a part of your league. Be active in your league, and just enjoy it. That's the best advice I can give because. If you have fun with it, whatever happens is extra. Right. All right, so let's move on now to our next review. Our next review is from H.C. Harper, probably brother to Bryce. Just listened to the first episode. Good job thus far, gentlemen. Donnie Wags from the comments. That was the first reviewer. Do yourself a huge favor and do not draft Shady with the fourth overall pick, dot, dot, dot. (laughs) Not a question? Moving on. Our next review is from... (laughs) Our next review is from B Norris 23. Will you guys rate and review my team? So in the first round, he took Le'Veon Bell. Second round, Des Bryant. Third round, Doug Baldwin. Fourth round, Jordan Reed. Fifth round, Ty Montgomery. Sixth round, Brandon Marshall. Seventh round, Bilal Powell. Eighth round, Stephon Diggs. Ninth round, Danny Woodhead, Scott. Tenth round, Derek Carr. Eleventh round, Matthew Stafford. Twelfth round, Mike Wallace. Thirteenth round, the New York Giants defense, 14th round James White, 15th round Kevin White. Only thing that I can, first of all, I think it's a good team. I think it's a very solid team. If this was a team you mocked, great job. If this is the team that you have for your actual regular season, get ready to win a ton of games. Agreed. But the one thing I, I the one thing that just jumped out to me immediately, you did not draft a kicker, and you have Kevin White on your roster. <laughs> two plus two is four. Okay. <laughs> Um, but I loved that this person went Derek Carr and Matthew Stafford in back-to-back rounds. Um, if you have any doubts about Derek Carr's leg, first of all, I thought he looked really good in their preseason game over the weekend. But if you have doubts about his leg, why not take a guy like Stafford who hasn't really missed a game in a, in a couple of years now? Even though his early career was plagued with injuries, he's been really solid for the last two years now. So I like, I like that he's got two quarterbacks that he can start every week. I like that he went Levy on Bell. It seems like he's got either the second or third pick, or maybe the first pick. I don't know, but to back that up with Ty Montgomery, who Scott, you and I are big believers in this year. That's right. Um, it was great. He got Jordan Reed in the fourth <clears throat> round after he had really shored up his wide receivers with Dez and Doug. So I think this is a really good team. Yeah, it's funny that you say you like the two quarterbacks back to back, and you know you wish he had a kicker type thing. Those are the kind of things that. You know, I actually love that he didn't draft the kicker. He doesn't need one right now. You know, he can wait to see if Kevin White was going to register. This is July 20th, this review, you know, so there's like right. 
a point where that might like if he did this today, it would be someone different besides Kevin White, I imagine. He maybe a Robbie Woodhead Anderson, in the ninth probably at this yeah. point either. But, but maybe it's like Robbie Anderson, you know, and right. he's like waiting, and then he's gonna cut someone come game one, which right. I, is a strategy that I love. And the two quarterbacks right back to back, you know, they're both good quarterbacks. But, I mean, Derek Carr has maybe a little bit more upside, but, you know, that tough schedule that we've talked about. And Matthew Stafford doesn't really have that, like, number one to number five kind of upside. So when you take two guys that, to me, have a limited upside, it's limiting you. Like, if you're going to take two guys, you may as well take a guy who's got, like, that astral project chance. You know? You'd rather rather see him go all in on a risk on maybe, like, an Eli or a Carson Palmer that could have – a much bigger season, we assume. If than... he's got, you know, one that's already going to... Like, both those guys are probably going to be top 10 quarterbacks, but the problem is with having two top 10 quarterbacks is, like, you know, Who someone's got to want one or you got to drop one or you got to pick, and it's, like, you know, now it's a challenge. I accidentally forgot to put the last line of the review in, which I think is uh, makes a world of difference. Full point PPR. He's got Le'Veon, Dez, and Doug Baldwin. He's got three guys that are shoo-ins. For 75 catches, that's, what is it, 225 points? And Ty Montgomery and, and Danny, Danny Woodhead. Woodhead. Yeah, I, I did notice that because he did use that, you know, the Le'Veon Bell, I have a, he, he's got a staple of his team right there in the running back position, and then he did that kind of, oh, I'll bail myself out kind of strategy. Ty Montgomery, Danny Woodhead, and I love that kind of yeah. move in full point PPR. I, I love that move, too. I, I love the stud running back with the, with the pass catchers in behind him to fill that RB2 hole. All right, moving on now to Pat Gotti. Great podcast. This is just what I needed to get the leg up on the competition. Thank you very much, Pat. Two questions. One, what is your opinion on drafting multiple key players, such as the top two, th- top three QBs, etc., to try and elicit a trade with teams if they drafted players you wanted but weren't in the right draft order to get? Let's start with that, and we'll get to the second question. I don't like this at all. Neither do I. I Because you can't just assume that people are going to accept a trade. And I think I kind of just even mentioned that. You know, like you have even just two quarterbacks. Sometimes it's hard to offload one. If you're in a 10-man league, you know, the 12th, 13th, 14th quarterback even by the end of the season, you don't know where these people – well, you know where they are at the time, but you don't know where they'll finish. So they're still in that startable realm and like people have an investment in them. So you can't just offload quarterbacks so easily. And you also can't hoard them. Every year, over 32 quarterbacks finish as a QB1. That's how much turnover there is. Like at per week, they have a week where they are a QB1 right. because there's so much turnover at the position and there's so much ability to finish within that top 12 once you have like a good matchup that. Trading a quarterback doesn't really work that great, and you're sacrificing too much by taking too many quarterbacks. No, I think that the the position that it is best suited for is tight end because there's only a certain amount of upper echelon tight ends. Um, I tried this strategy two years ago in a league, and it didn't work out. I drafted Gronk uh, in the second round and then took Travis Kelsey in like the sixth round. And I like that because, you know – like I've said before, when you pick Gronk, I always like to have somebody to uh, back him up in case he gets hurt. And I thought that I was going to trade Kelsey by week five or six, and uh, he ended up on my team the entire season. So, like you said, sometimes these guys are a lot harder to offload than you think, and to draft somebody and use that pick that high 
was, you know, I, I would say that was it, – it wasn't necessarily a mistake because we have a tight end flex in that position. But your team was stacked that year, and it, in another situation, it may not have been so ideal. Right, yeah. It, it was really like he, he just popped out off the page kind of thing for me yeah. to go grab him. Um, but, yeah, it, it would have to be the perfect situation for me, and um, I think I'm with you guys. It's just a little too much to try and offload. And plus, if a guy is – if a guy is a trade asset for you, there's a pretty good chance he's an asset for your team as well. So you might want to just hold on to him. Pat Gotti's second question just got a lot easier based on what we were just watching on TV. Uh, two, I have Odell Beckham Jr. and David Johnson on my roster from last year, and it's a keeper league. Who should I keep? I mean, there was no question to me that it was David Johnson before Odell was taken away to the trainer's room in a cart backstage so but now especially you're going to definitely have to monitor i'm hoping that the keeper deadline hasn't passed and you picked odell because i think under any circumstance you got to take david johnson well for me i think the only circumstance where i wouldn't take david johnson is how long can you keep this guy for if you can keep them indefinitely you know odell beckham is really young and he's going to have a longer career as a wide receiver than david johnson likely will as a running back they just have you know, a shorter productivity lifespan, you know? So if, in dynasty drafts, you know, Odell Beckham is very often 1-1, you know, first yeah. overall pick. So I don't, like the way our keeper league is set up, our personal one, you can't keep him for more than one year, even like two, three. I think you ride out David Johnson. But if it's like an extended situation, Odell comes into consideration. Yeah, I think I would go David Johnson regardless. Um I just, you know, he's the best. Love yeah. him. That's all I really have to say. All right. Yeah, you got to win your league while it still exists. Leagues crumble all the time. Yes, so absolutely. win it while you can. All right, our next review comes from Big Daddy Senior. Hey, Ruts boys. Love the rankings episodes. <laughs> they really helped. Just to start, Just starting as a fantasy player, and I hear you should either reach on a QB or a tight end in the first five rounds, but not both. Just wanted to know your thoughts on the matter, and if you were going to reach for one of those positions, which would it be? I don't know where you heard that from, Big Daddy Senior, but uh, I see no problem with taking a quarterback and a tight end in the first five rounds because in that situation, you could very well end up with Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Rodgers. Right. So I'm not afraid of it. I don't mind it. I do agree that if you are going to pick, you might want to just pick one of those guys, particularly if you want to take one of these stud tight ends, a Gronk, a Kelsey, a Greg Olson, a Tyler Eifert, a Jordan Reed. One of those guys might be make, make a little more sense than reaching for a quarterback because, as we said, 32 different players are going to finish at least one week as a quarterback one. So it could work, but if you're gonna if I'm going to take one in the early rounds, I'm going to take probably a tight end. Tom, how about you? The only time I reach is when I'm in such a position that I think that who's left looks so unappealing to me that I just have to dig down and get Aaron Rodgers or, you know, reach for Gronk because I think he's the ultimate producer at the, at the position. Besides that, I'm honestly in both of those positions, one of the last people to pick them. And like I've said, maybe even three times on this episode, I'm not going to ignore a great value either. Absolutely. Scott, yeah. With uh, that being said, I- I'm kind of in agreement with Tom. Um, 
the value would kind of have to be there for me. I typically don't pick both in the first five rounds. It's just something I normally haven't done. Um, this year, just thinking about it, there's only three quarterbacks that I would take in the top five rounds. Um, those being Rodgers, Brady, and Breeze. And uh, there are only four tight ends that I would take in the top five rounds. And that is Gronk, Olsen, Reed, and Kelsey. Um, those are, other than that, I'm going to wait and let that value fall. But um, I think that there's just more that, more value there at running back and receiver other than those seven guys. That was very helpful with the list, Scott. Thanks. Way to go. Our next review is from Naya Zetti. I've noticed a lot of discrepancy between the two, meaning uh, NFL Fantasy and Yahoo, in your rankings. What do you feel is most reliable? Us. Yeah, right? it's definitely the Ruts boys, but make sure you're paying attention to uh, the format in which the rankings come. I think a great place to use very unbiased consensus rankings would be Fantasy Pros because you can sort those rankings by standard, half-point PPR, and full-point PPR. Yeah, I mean... The way that we're delivering the content is to make you sort of develop your own rankings and feelings on people and not just parrot us. So it's important to take your own feelings into consideration when you look at where you're drafting because the ADP of where you're drafting is going to influence the people drafting around you. Right. And really what you want to do as a fantasy football player, especially pre in the preseason, you want to just stockpile resources. You want to be looking at the internet. You want to be going to your local bookstore, taking a look at those rankings magazines. You want to just get as much information as possible. We think we're really good at giving you guys information, and that's why we have this podcast. But we understand that there are other options out there. We are obviously very thankful that you chose us. But there are other options out there. So you just want to make sure that you're looking through all your options. If we're going to be your tiebreaker, we're really happy to hear that. But at the end of the day, it comes down to you. We won't take blame. Okay, because we, we will take credit. Absolutely. One hundred percent of the credit and zero percent of the blame. All right. Let's move on now to NYG for L, the number four. Um, hey, Ruts boys. Love the show and could use some help now trying to navigate the running back position in the middle rounds. There seems to be a lot of running backs with defined roles as a receiver like Theo Riddick, Danny Woodhead, Bilal Powell and James White combined with high upside running backs who will be manning the carries like Amir Abdullah, Terrence West, Matt Forte, and Mike Gillisley. Wondering which you would prefer and why. Thanks. There are a couple of news updates that are actually going to factor into our answer to this question. Number one being the Jets announced today that Matt Forte's status for week one is in doubt. What that means to me is he's on the roster bubble. So he may not even be on the team, which makes Bilal Powell the number one middle round running back that you need to be looking at. And even if he's on the roster, I think this is Bilal Powell's backfield to lose regardless. So he is kind of becoming an insane value. He's going in like the 6th, 7th, 8th rounds even sometimes. Right. And to just deliver on the other part of the news, that so we don't even have to really do a, a segment here, Anquan Bolden retired, right? That yes. team is like not going for a Super Bowl. They're, you know, tanking, so to speak. The Jets are doing a lot of the same. I don't see why Matt Forte should stick around and batter his body for a team that's going to tank as well, and that probably weighed a lot into Anquan Bolden's decision. Absolutely. So as far as middle running backs, you know, 
there's a lot of them. And I think he did a really good job of explaining ones and in the right camp as well. So we don't have to tell him, hey, look, it matters if you're doing PPR or standard. Like he knows who the pass catchers are. Those pass catchers, they're going to be very fruitful in PPR leagues. Um, Standard, some of the guys that you might be overlooking, Rob Kelly, Eddie Lacy, you know, and PPR, some of the guys you might be overlooking, CJ Procise. I think even Shane Vereen is just nowhere on boards. But, you know, players like these, you know, you know the format and you know how which kind of players succeed in them. So, and I'll tell you what, I think he's well equipped on his own. And I'll tell you what, even in standard, I'm looking at the list of the of the options that NYG Pharrell gave us. And I prefer the pass catcher in every single situation because he's got that role. And not only that, if this this guy's team's down, if the Ravens are down, Danny Woodhead will not come off the field. He's too good of a pass catcher. He's too good with the ball in his hands. He's a great run blocker. Like so, I'm I think thinking, that's the same thing with Riddick. I think right. that could be the same thing with you know even a guy like Chris Thompson from the Redskins. I think this year you're going to see a lot of pass catching backs get more volume and a lot of them get closer to that 50 reception mark than maybe we've ever seen. I think it's a great year to shore up those pass catchers as your RB2. I, I love the strategy. I love getting Powell, Woodhead, Riddick. Give me, give me all of them with yeah. one of the one of our top level studs, and I will be very happy. Well, that's- this is the only situation that I didn't mention, so I just want to add this real quick. The Patriots running backs, James White, Mike Gillisley. It's not. I don't think it's Mike Gillisley right now. I think it's Rex Burkhead. So just keep that name in the back of your head because his ADP is still so low, even though Gillisley hasn't practiced in three weeks. Tom, I'm sorry to. Yeah, no, it could have been. It could be a steal with Rex Burkhead. I agree. But what I was gonna say is, you know, when you're choosing those um, pass catchers or when you're choosing those bruisers, and let's say you play half point PPR right down the middle, it's much about the the matchup that they're in that week. You know, if they're playing a team that's likely going to best them, then those pass catchers, they're going to be on the field more often. We're going to advise you to play those kind of guys. If they're going to be ahead, it's those bruisers. It's the guys who are going to run down the clock, you know? So that's that's the kind of thing that you can be looking for in us to show you down the road this year. Absolutely. All right, let's move on now to Joey Gallo. I said Joey Callow. That's what they typed. My in. cousin Vinny reference. Oh, okay, good. Right. I got it. Who's on first? Uh, just listened to the first two episodes, and I was impressed from the jump. There is so much to cover, and you guys have a good balance of banter and analysis. Thank you very much, Joey. I believe it's obvious that David Johnson is a better option than Le'Veon Bell. What do you guys think? My answer to that is this review was posted on August 14th. I think on August 14th, the gap was a little bit closer than it is right now. And the only reason I'm saying that is because... Le'Veon Bell still has not reported to training camp. We have seen so many times a, team, a guy holds out and it does not end well. So I would be very careful. I'm still taking Le'Veon Bell at whatever chance I get him. But if I have the number one overall pick, I'm actually going to go ahead and agree with Joey here. I think it's 100% of the time I'm taking David Johnson. David, David for the same reason that you said. The his, uncertainty with Le'Veon not in camp yet. Book his, it for me. I mean, we can even move on. His ADP is going to be like one point something. Like, it's going to be that consensus by the end of the summer, I think. Uh, we got a QB question from BK. Great job on the podcast, guys. I especially enjoy Scotty Wags. Guy's voice is silky smooth. Silky. <laughs> question. Who is your favorite late-round QB? I usually wait till late 10th round or so in a 10-team league to draft my quarterback. So who would you say to look out for then? Thanks. 
Good question by uh, BK. Um, I think you have plenty of options this year. I think you have as many options as you could ever ask for. Um, you know, and it makes me think that you should wait even if you're willing to wait to the tenth. Wait even later than the tenth and get one in like like pick even pick like your maybe your defense before you pick your kicker if you're that in on it because. QB. But go oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Defense for your QB. Uh, maybe your defense and your kicker before your QB. Who but, knows? You know, a lot of the guys that I like, um, Kirk Cousins, I think, is starting to creep up above that 10th round range. If you can get him in the 10th, you got to grab him. Um, also love Rivers, Mariota, Carr, Stafford, and even Dalton. I just think that there is a ton of late QB value this year. You said a lot of guys that I would have said, so I'm just going to throw one more name in there. He's my plum pick as a quarterback this year, Carson Palmer. Tom, you have another name you'd like to add? I mean, I think Scott nailed it with those. And even considering Andy Dalton's ADP, it's just too low, like wildly low. I think, I'm not sure if you mentioned Stafford, but he often goes beyond the 10th round and often finishes within the top 10 quarterbacks. So right there, that's a that's a value pick that anyone would get on board with. All right. Moving on now to Bones31892. I guess that's March 18th, 1992 was their birthday. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, Good job, fellas. Keep up the good work. I have the 10th pick in a 12-man league. I was set on Devontae in the first round, but based on updated rankings, he might not be there. Pretty set on taking a running back in the first two rounds. Who would you recommend? Uh, Did not say if this was a PPR league or not. I just wanted to... uh, stress that but if i'm i think bones i think you're right uh with the zeke suspension and the uncertainty there i think that kind of moves Devontae's one of those running backs that now moves up i think if we're looking at guys that you might be able to get i think you still got an outside chance at jhi i think jordan howard will probably be there for you um but i'm not entirely sure 10th pick in a 12 man is going to be tough you've got the 10th and the 14th overall pick so yeah, it's, it's gonna be tough. It's hard to see who's gonna. It's hard to know for certain who's gonna come off the board. Um, quickly, I rated um, Melvin Gordon, Jai, Devontae Freeman, Demarco Murray, and then Howard. I keep forgetting to say Demarco Murray's name. I'm so sorry. Uh, well, he, he might make you uh, regret that as the year goes on, like he did last year with Just everyone like who year. kind of underrated him. Yep. Um, I think those are the only guys that I'm looking to take in the back end if I'm going to go running back, running back there. Um, after that, I think I would start to look toward receiver, but, um, Freeman might not be available. I think if he goes ahead of a Jai, then a Jai is the next one off the board for me. It makes sense that he wants a running back there and I'm not going to poo poo that. I think it's a great idea. Um, like I said, though, don't turn away great value on a great wide receiver. If one of them so happens to fall to you or Gronk, but something really cool to do. And that I've done a lot of in that position, you know, that tail end is take the best available running back according to me. And then on the next turn, you know, take the best available wide receiver according to me, just because there's more wide receivers than running backs. So in that order, I do like that. But once again, to me, you can't have those strict, hard and fast rules about position per round. Just get the value where you can. I think the most correct answer that we can give to Bones' question is... Follow your heart. Mock draft. (laughs) And that, too. (laughs) Uh, So, our next one comes from Lil Baller 8. He's a Kobe fan. Love the podcast. Some great stuff. We'll be back to catch future episodes, no doubt. I am playing fantasy football for the first time this season. What's one piece of advice you would give me? 
So not exactly the same question we gave before of one of one piece of advice for winning the championship. What's one piece of advice we would give to a first year player? Um, shameless self promotion. I mean, you're already listening to the podcast. I would listen to this podcast. I would use resources online and. With us, we're not going to mince words. We're not going to leave out important information. We're going to give it to you. So I think, you know, once the season picks up, we're going to be dropping nuggets ahead of time. We're going to be on the money with a lot of stuff. And I really think I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't believe that we could help people. I I agree with Tom so much. You know, that is our main intent is to give, you know, as much solid information as possible. I think that. One of the things that I was able to learn quickly in fantasy that gave me sort of an advantage is understand where a player's points are coming from, but don't worry about how you're, they're getting them. Don't worry about Blake Bortles playing horribly in the first half when he gets you the points in the second half of the game. Um, I was ahead on Danny Woodhead maybe years before other people because I saw how many passes he caught and how involved he was. So you need to understand that this guy is getting this many points. It doesn't matter how he gets them. It doesn't matter if he runs a, a fluky, in quotations, 80-yard touchdown into the end zone and then doesn't do anything the rest of the game. He had 80 yards and a touchdown that game. That equates a certain amount of points, and that can lead you to a victory. So don't overlook someone just for the mere fact of, you know, they don't score their points in a way that seems consistent or flashy to you. Take the points for what they are, points. And my, my advice is just just go with your gut. And especially for a first-year fantasy player because first-year fantasy football players bring a different perspective to the the way that you approach a season than guys who have been doing it for a while. And sometimes that can really become a benefit because, you know, how many times has it been that a guy joins a league, plays his first time, and all of a sudden he winds up in the championship game? Mm-hmm. It happened in our college league where the, this guy's first year, he happens to take Peyton Manning in the first or in the second round, and what happens? He throws seven touchdowns week one. He throws 55 for the season, and this kid rode Peyton Manning all the way to a championship appearance in his first year. And he lost in the final to another first-timer. And yeah, yeah, so so don't think that your inexperience is going to doom you from the start because you very well might have a leg up because you're not following that conventional wisdom that other people can sometimes get caught up on. So we've got a couple left. We're going to go now to... Champions Club member, and Champions Club member has one of my favorite questions that we received in this series. He says, who is going to be the highest scoring player whose ADP is currently putting him in the undrafted um, range? I have a, I have two guys that like I am having a hard time deciding on, and it's because of what I saw in preseason. Um, I'm going to start with Dee Westbrook from Jacksonville. Uh, Heisman finalist last year as a receiver, which is very hard to come by, and uh, absolutely tearing it up in the uh, preseason. Had a big game the other day. Another guy that I'm looking at is uh, Marquise Goodwin from the 49ers. Um, Got a lot of involvement uh, yesterday while I was watching the 49ers game. Uh, Hoyer was peppering him a good amount, and he was making some nice catches. Uh, He's one of those guys that uh, I think could have, you know, those are the two guys I'm looking at as undrafted that they could go off. This is going to sound like a, a really obvious answer compared to Scott's, but he is really being undrafted, and that's Andy Dalton. He and as a quarterback, when you're talking raw points, he's going to score, you know, more than a lot of the wide receiver, tight end, whatever counterparts that don't get drafted. So he literally, truly could be 
the one who scores the most points. He's got a massive amount of weapons. He's going to have Tyler Eifert for much longer than he has in the last couple seasons. They add John Ross, a huge speedster, and they have A.J. Green, who is a next-level receiver. And this guy, not to mention Gio Bernard, you know, all the people on that team. There's so many skill guys, and yet he is not even being drafted. So um, I think of people who aren't being drafted, he literally will lead the pack. I think he's like 1A. All right, I'm hedging my bets, and I'm going with J.J. Nelson from the Cardinals. He's currently not being drafted, obviously. That's why I've chosen him. John Brown cannot stay on the field, and we all think that the Cardinals offense, and specifically Carson Palmer, is in for a bounce-back year. So I think J.J. Nelson has the potential, and the big play potential as well, to step up and really be a key contributor in that Cardinals offense. They're going to need another receiver to stand beside Larry Fitzgerald and hopefully help them um, you know, get back into that vaunted offense that they had two years ago. So I think it's J.J. Nelson. He had a great finish to the end of the year. I was actually starting him in standard leagues because of his big play potential, and it paid off big dividends for me down the stretch last year. I think he continues that into this year as well. I think that's a great pick. Bruce Arians was just asked about John Brown, and he said, look, if he can't be healthy, we got to move on. Yeah. All right, so our second-to-last review comes from Extra Mustard. Says, love the pod. Keep it up, Ruts boys. My question is, do you prefer to start a running back or wide receiver at the flex position? Is there any reason you would start a tight end at the flex? And in a non-football related question, what was the best movie you saw this summer? So I guess let's let's start with the football question first. I would say even no matter what the scoring, I now prefer to get a wide receiver in my flex, and I want to make sure that that guy is his team's number one option at wide receiver. So, for example, in this Internet Celebrity League, my my flex is Allen Robinson. I like him because he's going to be the top dog. He's going to get the most targets. He's going to probably get the most catches as long as he stays healthy. So I think he is a great flex play because he could return wide receiver two or wide receiver one potential, but I'm not starting him as my wide receiver one or wide receiver two. I'm not really going to answer the question dead on. I'm kind of going to be like 10% off here. But I like to have the availability to have a running back play my flex. So I like to have that on my roster construction that if need be, I have three running backs ready to go. I think I should have three wide receivers ready to go, whether, you know, even if I like auto draft, I'll have three wide receivers ready to go. Mm -hmm. But the fact that if you have three running backs ready to go, huge advantage. Yeah, I mean, like I just said in one of the previous questions, it doesn't matter how you get your points as long as you're getting them. Um, Fine with running back. I personally prefer the receivers because they normally have more of a steady production, and at that point I'm looking for my flex to be more – I normally go a little more rock steady in my flex spot. So I normally like a guy who's going to get me consistent numbers. A lot of people like to take maybe more of a riskier guy. No problem with that. But for me, it's more of a rock steady receiver I typically go with. Okay. Our last review comes from Broadway Foe. He says, love listening to your podcast, fellas. Question for you. How soon is too soon to draft the Gronky Kong? Great nickname. I have the 8th, 10th, and 11th overall picks in my drafts. And I'm seriously considering drafting Gronk in the second round for every draft that I'm in. They're all full point PPR leagues. Any advice would be much appreciated. Uh, I'm guessing the eighth, the tenth, and eleventh are twelve man leagues, and the eighth might be tenth or twelfth. But either way, you know, it's funny how many questions we've kind of ended up talking about Rob Gronkowski here, and I think that just shows the cult of Gronk. 
yeah. that has developed in fantasy well, football. Well, he's such a volatile player. He yeah. just creates so much buzz about him. And um, he's so fun. Like, yep, he's just yeah. a fun guy to, to you know, be rooting for. And obviously, like we've said, um, we think Gronk can, if, if fully healthy, perform at that high-end, upper echelon, number one receiver. So if you're going to pick him at the front end of the second round, go ahead. I'm fine with it. You can still build a great team, and he can still be the linchpin of it. And I've already said I'm fine with you taking him in the first. And I think we've already answered this question 12 ways to midnight. Yeah. But you know which question we didn't answer? What are, what movies we saw? Yeah. All right, so let's wrap we it up. We left it out. Gentlemen, what was your favorite I'm the, movie? You I'm saw the least summer? critical of movies, so I'll, I guess I'll lead off and maybe maybe you guys will have I'm a, very critical. a couple. Maybe you guys will have a couple deeper digs. You know, I'm not big into really going to the movies unless something really jumps out for me. Thing that jumped out at me most was War for the Planet of the Apes. Um, loved the first two, and the third one was just as epic. And I just love those movies. And I, I mean, I wish they would come out with a fourth. Um, this year was the or this summer? This summer, yeah. Okay, I was so, gonna say. But I'll, I'll extend the rule. I was uh, gonna I hope say. Extra, I hope extra mustard doesn't mind if you want to extend it to a movie that you saw for the first time this summer. <laughs> yeah, because I know you're I was, not a movie theater guy either. Tom. That's what I was gonna say. I just saw um, recently. It's called The One I Love. It's an indie movie. It's very cool, and it had uh, Mark Duplass or Duplass Duplass. Fr- Duplass. He was from, in the league from the league. Yep. Yeah, so uh, if you're into that sh- into that show, you may as well check this movie out. Um, it's pretty cool. It's kind of like sci-fi, not sort of a romantic comedy, but it's it's impossible to explain in a soundbite. But it's worth maybe watching the trailer and then streaming it online or whatever. All right, what are we? What is it available on? We get it on Netflix or? I don't think so. All right. Well, you might have to tweet that out too. Yeah. Might as well at Rods FF. Uh, <laughs> at I'm going to plus. <laughs> I'm going with Spider-Man: Homecoming. I'm a big superhero movie guy, but I got to say my expectations were extremely low. This is the sixth Spider-Man movie we had, and it was the best. It was really entertaining, really funny, like irreverent comedy, like like you'd expect from like a high school movie like a Super Bad or a 16 Candles, which I thought was really well done. And it, it just blew it out of the water. You know, the Marvel movies, they're they're all like so visually stunning. Uh, but this one was really cool. It was really funny. I'll, I'll just throw out Dunkirk was really good, too. Yeah, uh, I haven't. It was a fantastic movie. Um, I haven't yeah. made my movie rounds this year, and it's it's regrettable. I really wanted to see Baby Driver. Really wanted to see Spider Man. Really wanted to get out there, but you know, I just have not quite. You've yet. You've had a busy summer. I've, defense, I've been a busy so. man. Yeah. All right, uh, so that's gonna wrap it up for us. Keep those uh, questions coming though in the form of five star reviews. Uh, when we're leading up to the season, if you have sit start advice, who do I start at my flex? Who do I pick up as a quarterback to fill in for a bye week? We want to hear them. We want to see them. So keep those five-star reviews coming. They help us out, and in turn, we'll do our best to help you out as well. Uh, so we really appreciate those. And thank you to everybody who submitted the reviews. Boy, do our listeners know how to ask some good questions, huh, guys? That was awesome. Yeah, those were some good ones. I it agree. Was it was a fun one. It was, they're definitely uh, showing that they're learning along the way as we are. Absolutely. The so. rudders truly steer the ship. Absolutely. Of course. We especially, love you guys. Thank you so much. Especially this week. Uh one more time, if you didn't hear us mention it 16 other times this episode, we're at RutzFF on Twitter. Tom is at HillierFF. Scott is at WagsFF. I am at Why So Serious. And uh, I liked doing this last week, guys. So give me one player that we didn't mention today who you're starting to get a good feeling about going into the season. Well, Dante Moncrief, not completely healthy yet. So a guy to look out for in his stead is Kamar Aiken. Uh, I. If we had this podcast going last year, you probably would have hated me for recommending him so heavily. 
but it just didn't turn out the way it was it really seemed. supposed to. Yeah, I don't know. He didn't really work out on the Ravens. They let go of him, and the Colts were always sorely missing a big guy, and especially with Dante Moncrief, his health is in question, and it often has been. I think Kamar Aiken can really stand out as a free draft pick. You know, we didn't talk about him, you know? An undrafted player who could be the highest scoring undrafted player. I don't know if he'll outscore Andy Dalton, but Scott? We're back to our boy again, the Moscow Mule. <laughs> Scores a touchdown in his first preseason game on the fumble. And then he says, let me just go catch one to make sure everybody knows I'm a touchdown machine. Two tu- two games, two touchdowns, Cooper Cup, Moscow Mule. Keep it rolling, baby. It's really starting to look like he is Jared Goff's like safety valve completely. like if, they're, if the play that they have scripted, if it doesn't go to Cooper Cup and the read isn't open, he's going to Cooper Cup. It's awesome. Underneath Cooper Cup, over the top, Sammy Watkins. New look Rams yeah. coming at you. And we mentioned a lot of tight ends, but the one guy we really didn't mention at all who I'm kind of starting to really believe in going into this year, Jimmy Graham. Yeah, I mean, he's not so much of a deep cut, but I got to agree. I think the Seahawks are yeah. all in for a great We've year. We've been pretty quiet on him throughout the podcast, too. So, And before we sign off, we just want to mention that uh, the second half just started in the Browns-Giants game. And breathe easy, guys. Odell Beckham's walking around in street clothes on the sidelines, so he looks like he, he escaped. Uh, we will see you next week. We're we're so close. We're so close. So just hang in there one more week. Best of luck to everybody drafting this weekend. And until we see you next time, keep scoring.